chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, that you are a podcast lover. And I'm sure at some point it's crossed your mind, maybe I should have a podcast. Maybe our organization should be podcasting. And so I've invited on to the podcast Christian Robillard, who is the founder of Purpose Podcasting. And he and I are going to chat about all things podcasting, obviously. And so if this is something that you're on the fence about or wondering what's involved or how to structure it, we dive in to all the nitty gritty. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we share practical and down-to-earth advice on how to run your small nonprofit. You are going to change the world, and we are here to help. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Cindy, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So we are talking about podcasts. This feels like a very meta conversation. Podcast I, on podcasting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. A meeting of the great podcasting minds is how I it's like to think about it. Perfect. Um, but there's sort of a... Uh, you know, we can talk about podcasting more generally, but I actually want to talk about how specifically how organizations can use podcasting, some of the lessons that we've learned um, in doing podcasts ourselves. And I know you also now help organizations with their podcasting. So let's sort of take take it right back to the very basics of like what I mean. If you're listening to this, you know what a podcast is because that's how we're talking to you. But beyond that, what can or what are some ways organizations can use podcasting and how to, to to do their work or to communicate with different audiences and maybe what are those audiences? I'm curious to see what you've seen or to hear what you've seen. Yeah, it's uh it's such a fascinating world Cindy as, as you and I both know and I think it's a it's a medium that in this time of of COVID nineteen, but also generally speaking, I think is set to explode as everyone's been staring at screens for the last fifteen plus months, and we stare at screens on a regular basis. And it's a medium that allows you to go so deep and intimate with a particular audience or set of of stakeholders that you might have that is, is just that much more intimate than let's say a newsletter or an email or a social media post or something like that. And I really see that this particular medium is great for engaging those who are in that 18 to 35 bracket as they make up a majority of the podcast listeners. But I think it's also an excellent complement to the other content strategies that people have. And I think the applications are are endless, both external to your organization, but both, but also internal. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks think about the the likely subjects. So being able to share some of the stories of impact that you have through your podcast, using it as a means to uh, engage and to steward your donors and other stakeholders, uh, being able to build up your thought leadership and your trust and, and, and credibility as an organization, having it complement and be able to use it to uh, build out other marketing materials. But I also think of it, in terms of an internal perspective, especially if you're a large organization, you can use it to help onboard and train new staff. Mm. I imagine that there's a lot of uh, organizations out there that have a lot of things that they end up sharing with their new staff when they have them hired on. 
And as much as those new staff would love to stare at a screen and take tons of copious notes and things like that, mm-hmm. I think it would be better served if they had something that they could walk around their house, let's say, or sit at their desk and just listen to instead of having to strain their eyes on screens. Uh, but also in terms of training and professional development, I think that there's just something else that you learn by just listening to something and having your focus there. So I think there's so many applications that are out there that organizations can can consider and I think it also just makes for uh, an excellent professional development opportunity to build your story listening skills as well when you're talking mm. to guests or stakeholders or whoever else you choose to have on the podcast and just perfects your your skill sets as a storyteller as well, which I think in our line of business is such a key skill set that you can never practice enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I know for myself now when I meet people out in the real world, which doesn't happen during COVID very often, but before, or I'll have a consultation and I'll meet people and like, oh my goodness, I feel like I know you, or I can't believe I'm, you know, talking to you. I listened to the podcast. There's definitely something unique about how we show up in a really authentic way on the podcast and how it connects with people a little bit differently than other mediums, definitely differently than writing. Um, I'd love to hear your experience with that. And, you know, and, and also understanding your, maybe part of the, the question is like, who is the audience, right? So there are lots of different audiences for organizations, you know, Obviously, I usually wear a fundraising hat. That's kind of what our business is. So I think about fundraising, but I've seen organizations do it around community building or finding, you know, the people out there who are affected by the work that they do. Um, how do we pick why to do a podcast? Like, how do we pick the outcome that we want to achieve with the podcast? And I think that boils down to understanding who who your audience is or who your audiences are. As you said, Cindy, really well, you have so many different audiences. Some of them are the donors and the financial supporters as well as volunteers of our organizations. And even in there, there's a huge breakdown in terms of who those people are. You have the beneficiaries of your of your charity or nonprofit or social enterprise. So those people who benefit from having information about what it is that you do. You have participants in some of the programming, especially if you're a foundation with, let's say, some type of uh, fellowship program or has some type of professional development associated, or if you're an association that represents so many organizations that you want to tell these very deep stories or very deep examples to. And I think you want to think about with any type of of podcasting, the, the why is definitely important. But ultimately, you have to think about who your audience is and what's the problem or what are the challenges that this particular piece of content is going to help them overcome. Mm. So if you're a national association, for example, you might think to yourself, well, if this podcast is intended for my constituent members, what are the challenges that they have? If this is meant if I'm a homeless uh, or a yeah, if I'm a homeless uh, organization that supports those experiencing homelessness, and for some reason they all have mobile devices, well, perhaps a podcast is good for them because they're able to listen to some of these specific uh, pieces of information and they'll get it a lot faster than having access to an email account, which requires so many other uh, so many other requirements. Mm. Uh, and I think the you you continue to look and see 
one, how can this provide value to these people? But two, how can you as an organization or a host be a guide to help the listeners of your podcast and those who engage with this particular medium end up or venture towards a place or a destination or uh, a state of being that is different than where they started? Hmm. I love this because I think this is the conversation that a lot of people miss in, you know, oh, we should do, and this is not just true podcasting of so many things, like it feels trendy or it feels whatever, like, here's what we should do this. We should jump on that trend. And what I hear you saying is like, wait a second, who's the audience and what problem are you solving for them? And if you can answer those two things, you now start to have, and why podcasting the right way to connect with them. If you can answer those three things, I guess you can start on this lovely journey of podcasting. Does that sound fair? Exactly. And I think it's one of those things that you don't even need to start with a mailing list, let's say, but start with a couple of conversations with your donors, start with some of your supporters. And by there, you also give your, your strongest champions, your supporters, a means to talk about your cause in a way that isn't just them talking about it firsthand, they then get to hear from your executive director or whomever is a host or a participant on this podcast or this piece of content so that they can hear directly from them in a way that they might not have otherwise heard from them unless they attended your gala or mm. your special event or your annual general meeting, which not everyone has has time for necessarily, but there's a, a value to having that, that voice be put out there. Mm, absolutely. And so... Once we have those things, there's different structures and formats to podcast as well in terms of how long is it? Are we interviewing people? Is it more like there's the one host who's talking all the time? You know, all these questions or the strategy now starts to come into play, right? Like how are we going to produce something that resonates with that audience and helps them solve the problem that we set out to solve? Because, you know, we all talk about organizations are typically not great at like external speak. Oftentimes it's very internal. They use a lot of jargon and short forms and languages or unique language or terms. And so how do we take, you know, this idea and actually say, okay, this is what it's going to look like or or feel like and how we're going to create an actual, um, episode. Yeah. (laughs) And and, yeah. And I think that there are a bunch of components that any strong piece of content will have. And it's up to you as an organization, as well as listening to your audience to say, how long does it need to be in what style, those types of things. So if you're thinking podcasting might be right for me, and you're thinking about all the components that make up a strong podcast in the episode itself, I would say the first bit is your intro. So the first 60 seconds, I would say, aside from your artwork, which is something we can go into 100%, is the most important part because that's around when people are going to judge whether this podcast is for them. So in this in this first 60 seconds, there should be an episode number to let people know where they are in the span of your podcast, some type of identifier for the show. So In this case, it might be, this is Cindy Wagman, and you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast. They understand right then and there, this is what they're getting. What the audience is is going to learn, 
and sometimes uh, what's coming next so people know what's coming up on subsequent episodes. Mm-hmm. In that span of the episode two, you want to make sure you have a clear call to action. So what can what do you want people to do as a result of listening to this episode? And there's a lot of strong evidence that is put out by groups like Signal Hill that talks about how f- over 53% of listeners of podcasts will actually take some type of action as a result of listening to the podcast, which is a strong number if we're thinking and comparing against other types of of content that you're sharing with your audience. You also want to include some uh, calls to connect. So is it a particular Mm -hmm. report you want people to download so you can get their email? Is it sharing with a friend or a colleague or someone else they might find valuable? What's the call to connect either this person that's listening to your podcast to your organization or to connect somebody else into that orbit? I think as we know, as fundraisers and as those who work in the space, a referral is worth its weight in gold when it comes to finding new people to introduce to your organization. The other important element, and I think this is the intimacy part that we were talking about before, is some type of, are parts of personal segues. Like how do you infuse into your podcast a bit about your host, a bit about what you believe in and why it is that you believe these things? and your thoughts around certain events that are happening, situations that are happening, your takes on things. Because people could read the basic uh, statements that you might put out in other types of mediums. This is a way for you to talk about what it is you care about and really connect with people on that personal level. And as I was mentioning before, always make sure you're teasing what's coming up so people have something to look forward to in the next series of episodes. But I think if you include those pieces as the the core starting points when it comes to a format, I think those are good starting blocks. And there's a bunch of other pieces to consider after the fact around, as you were talking about, Cindy, what style, whether it's solo, co-hosted, or an interview style, what types of music you want to use, if there's artwork, how many people you want to involve on your team, uh, what length your audience is keen to to hear about you on. And really, the list goes on. But I think I think those are good starting points. Mm, so good. And I, I mean, I feel like this is a really great, almost like a checklist we're going through, right? Here are the elements you need to think about. Here's what you, you need to consider. Um, and again, I think always those decisions, like I know for me when I started, and I'd love to hear maybe your story. Like I started the podcast, the format I picked was based on another podcast that I really liked, but we've evolved it over time based on the statistics and what we see and how our listeners actually engage. How did you pick up, pick uh, your format? Yeah. When, when I started beyond the bake sale, uh, almost three years ago now, which is kind of wild to, to think about, we started it very much uh, around this idea of wanting to talk to sec- to people who worked and volunteered in the sector about how to raise more time, talent, and treasure for the causes they cared about. And really, I think the time and everything else was a result of getting to the information that we wanted to get through. And then, as you said, Cindy, over time, we've adapted it. So this most recent season, we've cut it down into almost a highlights clip. Because in our reading and in listening to and reading about a lot of the data around podcasts, you read that the average podcast length is around 20 to 25 minutes. The reason being is pre-COVID, that was the average commute time for someone in North America. So whether you're sitting on the bus, whether you're uh, traveling into the office via car, or whether you're uh, working at home, but have 20 to 20, 25 minutes during the, during the course of the day to be able to listen in on something. 
So that was definitely where we we came at it and how we've pivoted since then, keeping those those things in mind. And uh, we always continue to listen and, and even talk to some of our guests and some of our listeners to say, well, what would continue to add value for you? Or are we too long? Or are we rambling too much in these sections? And anyone who starts in their podcast, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Cindy, but there's so many things that seem so great that we want to include in the episode, but sometimes we have to throw those things out in favor of making sure someone listens to it in the first place, as opposed mm. to just keeping something because we really, we really want it in when it either doesn't just have a fit or it pushes that length of, of what people are going to, to listen to. I had a, a, a teacher growing up and they always talked about how the mind can only absorb what the bottom can endure. So if your podcast is, is droning on too long, um, you're not going to have somebody who's willing to listen to that in, in its entirety because their bottom will no, will no longer be able to take it. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think that that sort of brings forward to me the question of the work behind the podcast, right? Like you kind of referencing editing, uh, which fun story, we actually don't do much editing of our podcast. We're very, it's very conversational unless a guest asks me to remove something or, you know, I have a conversation to say this is coming out because of whatever. I would say 95% of our episodes are completely uncut. It doesn't mean we're not editing for audio quality and stuff like that, but we're not taking pieces out. That's a decision we made, but that's not right for everyone. Um, but what I hear a lot from people is it's a lot of work. I mean, I feel like this is, I hear this for everything, right? It's more work. We have, we have so much on our plates, yada, yada. Um, so let's talk. I want to kind of break down that wall and talk about the work that goes into managing a podcast, because in my experience, it's not that bad. I mean, I hire someone who can edit the the episodes and put all the pieces together. And then I just have fun conversations. I don't know about you, but what goes into would, it for you? I would 100% agree with that, Cindy. I think you raise a, a good point in that you want to decide off the bat what skills you want to bring in-house versus what skills you want to outsource for. And I think there's nothing wrong with having someone be there to edit for you, keeping in mind that the longer you ask them to make it and the more edits you ask them to make, obviously the, the, more, the more resources that are required to go into it. I think it's important for people to think about what they reasonably would like to put into something like that. And the more preparation you do on the front end before you ever hit the record button is going to dictate how long you're going to spend in the editing process. I know something that's been a, a game changer for us and it's something that, that even we do, that we did, Cindy, in prep for this call is that discovery call. So if you have a guest-centered show where you're doing a lot of interviews, this part is such a game changer because you get to go through what you want to talk about, what things are off limits to keep your guest or the person that you're interviewing uh, comfortable, any word prompts. So this is something that I love that Tim Ferriss does. He has little word prompts that his guests often ask him to, to share and it prompts him to ask a certain set of questions. And obviously any of the types of either shameless plugs or calls to action that those guests might have. But when it comes to if you're you're having something that's more internal in terms of you're having either co-host or just one host, almost do like a monologue style or there's different segments that get contributed. You having a set meeting to say these are the different components we need to touch on. This is us writing out our scripts in 
as heavy of a way as you might want them to to appear because some people like to be more scripted than others and just taking time to practice it will will allow you to spend a lot less time in that editing chair uh, and it also depends on what you want the final the final format to be. So if it's something that's just going to be 10 minutes, well, you're either going to have a whole lot of editing if you haven't done some of that prep work, or you're going to have no t- very little time that you need to invest because you spent such amount of time before that being able to, to prepare. I, I don't know if you feel similarly, Cindy, but my rule of thumb is always for every hour of polish that you'd like, you probably want to spend about two to three hours in, in the background of things. And that's just mm. preparing, organizing, doing all those types of things. Um, but I think I think it's not as it's only as onerous and labor intensive as you'd like it to be. And as long as the content is really strong, there, there doesn't have to be a, a bunch of pageantry that gets put on top of it and and things of that nature. And you want to make sure it's as, as standardized as possible to save yourself all that time. So your song's always going to be the same in the start. Uh, the intro is always going to be pretty templated and almost coming after the fact. Your content is in the middle. The meat of it is really the things that change. And then everything else is your call to action after are pretty consistent. And they might change up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and I know for, so uh, for us, what we do is, so we have a 30 minute conversation in advance. That's the extent of the research I do. Uh, I actually preferred not to know too much about any particular topic uh, or where the conversation is going, because again, that that's our style and, and that seems to suit our audience. Um, and then the conversations and that's it. That's all. And I edit the show notes because I have someone who, who does our show notes um, and then someone who, who edits and, and puts it up online. So it's actually not that bad and not that expensive, uh, which is also super good. I know my friend Rachel Bearbauer, her podcast, the ex- uh, Productive Executive Director, um, she has a completely different process where she has someone write out um, almost they start with the show notes or like what the topic is and they write it more that way. And then she records that based on what someone you know, almost more like a blog post. Um, so it, there's so many different ways to do it. We're running out of time, but before uh, we wrap up the conversation, I do want to talk a little bit about how to use the content in multiple places. Because sometimes I think, okay, I just need to put out a podcast, but you're not necessarily going to find a ton of listeners if you just put it out there. You actually have to promote it. But part of that as well is looking at how do you use your podcast content in multiple different places? So you're promoting it, but you're also saving time on other things like producing content because you already have it built into that. So that's kind of a long question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. So a couple of quick points on on that one, Cindy. One, and I think it's one that, that you and the team at The Good Partnership do well, is taking almost like a blog post style uh, and using that as your email that shares what the podcast is all about. I love that component of it because I think that that also helps you reflect on some of the things that were said. And podcasting should also be a reflective exercise mm-hmm. when it comes, especially if it's talking with different stakeholders or even reflecting on what you shared. I think that one of the best investments you can make is to actually transcribe your podcast. And the reason I say that is that as much as great of a medium as podcasting is, I would say one of its shortfalls is that it isn't always optimized for Google. 
So if you have a transcription with a page that shares what was talked about on the show with optional timestamps and things like that, depending on how intense you want to get, that'll help boost Google search ranking for you and your search engine optimization. So even just having a page that you don't do anything with on the internet is going to help you so much and it'll allow you to pick different clips from there that will help you repurpose for other formats. Something that we enjoy doing is we'll take what our guests have shared and we'll break it down into 30 to 60 second, what we call a headliner or audiogram clips, which are those ones that you've probably seen online where you have almost the karaoke style text that pops up and it shows what people are saying, but it's also a photo or in some cases a video and it's optimized for Instagram with a small little square and you can share it across platforms. You can create tweets that are just static photos. So photos that don't do anything that are a particular quote with some great captions. And then you can also use that content to repurpose on in places like YouTube or on other platforms that are a bit of a mashup, what we call, I guess, a hangover episode in, uh, mm. in, in the podcasting world, where you take a whole bunch of different clips and you repurpose them for a greatest hits or for a top 10 of something or something along those lines. And I think it's also important to integrate those into other communications. So social media is an obvious candidate, but take some of those clips and insert them into your newsletter. Maybe a part of it is a transcribed part of your that will go into your newsletter or into your annual report or something like that and include a link that will play it over so that people can listen to that part of your report and see how that performs as well. So I think if you're getting any less than five pieces of content out there, including the podcast uh, from, from your, your recording, I think you're, I think you're missing out. And I think I would argue if you have an hour-long podcast that you record and produce you could probably get up to 20 pieces of solid 30 to 60 second content, plus a blog post, plus the transcription, plus any other parts that you want to use to complement other communications that you're doing. I love it. I love it. And I have to share a tool that we recently discovered, thanks to my friend Brock Warner, called Descript, D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. Such love a cool- Descript. Oh, oh my yeah. God. You can upload your audio. It will transcribe it. You can create audiograms with it. It's really, really cool. You could add, anyways, it's a really cool editing tool and transcribing tool and allows you to do lots of cool things. So, and it's not expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just one of our favorite, favorite tools. Um, Christian, I, we have to wrap up there, but this is such a fun conversation. And I hope to our listeners, we've maybe demystified some of the work that goes into building a successful podcast. But if you're still overwhelmed, they can reach out to you, right? This is what you do. You help organizations with their podcasts. So tell us a little bit more about Purpose Podcasting. Yeah. As we, as you, as you said, Cindy, we had our podcast that we started a number of years ago and I, I've enjoyed the experience and I love podcasting as a medium. I think it's I think audio is one of those evergreen mediums that people are 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 in love with and that they really enjoy. And while it might might not be something that gets you tens of thousands of listens, then you know, in those few those few hundred, even those few thousand, there's gonna be a lot of value that gets derived from there. Um, so we're always happy to help whether you have an idea and want to have some help in terms of refining and executing it, whether you have an existing podcast and just would like to download all of the nitty gritty that goes into actually producing it, 
or if you're someone who just wants to feel more comfortable in terms of speaking uh, in front of the mic or just refining your message, uh, if you want to head to our website, purposepodcasting.ca, we'd be very happy to help and support you on your on your podcasting journey, especially as a purpose-driven professional or organization. And we'll also be launching a, uh, we'll also have a podcast uh, on how to podcast in the nonprofit world coming out. So that uh, that's also exciting. You can get some free tips there to uh, improve your podcasting game. Awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, to all of our listeners, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, hopefully now you have a behind the scenes look uh, as we pull back the curtain and you have the tools to, to do this if it works for you. So we'll see you next week and uh, have a good one. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.